need an Advil, maybe a second chance. Hey! Welcome to Stargate Second Chances, a Welcome Through the Stargate podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this is episode 14, where we'll be talking about the season two episode, The Fifth Race. The Fifth Race. Yes. So, Brent, this is uh, produced and this is we're doing this because of the Patreon supporters that we had. Yes. Uh, And we say that long time ago, long time ago. So we say thank you very much to all of those who supported the podcast that way. We say yeah. thanks to those who are supporting the podcast with their dollars with uh, Buy Me a Coffee Now. Yes, um, yes. And uh, this has been a long time coming, um, but it's here and we're ready to go. Here we are. We've got this yeah. one. We've got one more to do after this. Yep. Um, and then. That'll be caught up. Then it'll be caught up and we'll we'll figure out what's next. You might have remembered a couple of regular episodes, well, several episodes ago. We were kind of hinting that maybe something will be coming back. That's true. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more, but uh, there you go. There's your hint. Yep. Uh, so we've been we've been talking about how things like that might work. Possibly. Possibly. Anyway, so <laughs> Brent. Yes. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, the second season episode, The Fifth Race. Yeah. I'll uh, just kind of dig into that episode now that uh, we are as we're recording this. We just finished the eighth season of SG-1 and the first season of Atlantis, so we now have way more under our belts now than we did back uh, in uh, 2019 when we reviewed this the first time. Boy, did we ever. So uh, we reviewed this on June 2nd, or at least it was uh, released to the public on June 2nd. Uh, We would have recorded that just a couple of days before then. Yeah. Uh, the original air date for this episode was January 22nd, 1999, mm-hmm. uh, with an IMDb rating of 9.1. Yeah. And they fl- IMDb flags this as a top rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. The director for this was David Worry Smith, and the teleplay mm-hmm. was Robert C. Cooper. Aha, uh-huh. yes. So that just kind of sets the tone. And before we dig into our thoughts upon this rewatch, um, why don't you hit us with a synopsis? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, uh, I guess I have to apologize to folks ahead of time. I got a head cold or something last week, and I'm still not quite over. So, if I'm gravelly, that's what's going on there. So, anyway, friends, <clears throat> this is the one where we get properly introduced to the ancients, Woo-hoo! the creators of the Stargates, the builders of roads, the inventors of Latin. The Friends of the Furlings. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all sorts of kennings for this, but I can't. Anyway, the, the, the ancients and their stuff. So, uh, Daniel starts us off by talking about the mystery language that was found on Ernest's planet. Ernest, uh, what's his face? Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was where my brain was going to. Littlefield. Littlefield. <laughs> Littlefield. That's it. On Littlefield's planet. The one where the team used the DeLorean to get back to the future when the lightning struck the clock tower just before the courthouse plunges into the sea. Remember that one? Uh, yep. Yep, uh, I, yep. And so anyway, they were exploring uh, a particular planet with a melp when they found text that matched some of the writing <clears throat> uh, from, the, from, from Littlefield's planet. And if the Asgard are friends... And the part, you know, part of the mystery language was uh, was probably from the Asgards because of the runes. Uh, and that part of the mystery plan of the language was found on the planet. Then the planet also has a mystery. So the transitive property of friends demands that this planet must also hold friends. So let's go. Woo-hoo! 
so they arrive uh, in they arrive into the easiest set dressing ever. It's just a room with a circle and a DHD and that's it. <laughs> yep. So after a moment of mocking the mundane, uh, O'Neill steps through the circle and a strange device appears on the far wall. So Teal looks into it and he sees lights. And O'Neill looks into it and he sees the entire arc of the universe and it breaks his brain. So they drag him back to base. Oh, by the way, like everyone was really nonchalant about it, too. Like he, he's like caught in this thing for at least two or three seconds on screen. And then he gets dropped and everyone's like, oh, my gosh. Well, his pulse is. Re- Let's go back home. Anyway, back on the base. He remembers <laughs> nothing of it. And uh, he gets a clean bill of health from our beloved Dr. Janet Frazier. However, during the briefing, a visibly distracted Jack grows even testier and testier and testier until he finally has had enough. And I can't remember what word that he blurts out that isn't a word, but he blurts out a word that isn't a word. Cruvis. Cruvis. No, he didn't. Isn't yes, it? he did. Yes, he did. Didn't. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So this starts the somewhat slow decline of Jack as he starts speaking more and more in the mystery language. And Daniel is able to deduce that it's like a form of like Latin and it can basically he can basically make out what he's saying more or less. Jack can inexplicably read the entire inscription from the face grab planet, revealing that the planet that they visited was the legacy of whoever put that thing there. Was it did it say the ancients at that point? I can't remember if it was like said. It, when we first when we first learned legacy, no. But later on, right, uh, we do see uh, it says we are the ancients, and this yes. is a place of our legacy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is part of our legacy or part of our leg. One of the two. Um, uh, as luck would have it, uh, one of the extra gates that Jack had. Oh, right, yeah. Jack then Jack entered uh, a bunch of binary one afternoon, and it put a bunch of extra gate locations into the computer, which were not in the Abydos cartouche. Uh, and so as luck would have it, one of those gates that, uh, were, that was being explored also had ancient writing in it. So Carter and Teal'c and two red shirts go to check it out. And shortly after arriving though, the DHD breaks and the second son of Tatooine rises leading to a cookout. And soon we'll and be serving not the good kind of cookout. No, we'll be serving uh Teal'c fricassee and Carter flambe, but Before the first appetizer is served, Jack figures out how to draw plans for the entire DHD really quickly, allowing Carter to fix the thing really quickly and get the team back home. Yay! Uh, Shortly after that, the gate starts dialing itself up, but it seems to be first it activates and is drawing a bunch of power. And then Jack hooks up a little generator powered by highlighter juice into a breaker box and there's more power. And then the gate starts dialing and there's chevrons that get encoded and chevron three is encoded and chevron six is encoded. And then chevron seven is encoded. What? What? Chevron eight locked. And it's connected outside the galaxy. What? What? Jack walks towards the light. Jack, if you do this, you might not be able to come back. And he just he just takes a walk. And we're tracking the traveler. We're tracking the traveler. And we lose the traveler. Oh, no. And he gets tossed out on his ear. And it's a bunch of grays. Ooh. What? And one of the grays comes by with a mysterious palm gem, which I'm not sure we ever see again. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Jack's brain is rescued. 
And then they have a little conversation. And one of the Greys says, hi, we're, we're hi friends. And I think Jack figures out that they're the Asgard. Did we have we seen the Asgard? We've already this point? seen the, the first- Asgard at this point in time. They, he gotcha. Rest- so yep. he's so he's all like, wow, there's several of you. Uh, and they're all like, you're not ready to be out there yet. And Jack goes, here's the thing. We're out there now. And the Greys are all like, wow, you're pretty sweet then. You all are christened, thus, the fifth race. More or less. The end. Well, they're, they're, they're moving in the direction of becoming the fifth race. I mean, let's be real. I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, yeah, the end. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Brent, thank you for yeah. that synopsis. Yeah. Um, so after you've seen this now a second time, uh, yep. what do you think? What are your thoughts about it this time? I still think so. I remember when we watched this the first time, even though it has been ages ago, I remember that I was, uh, well, let me rephrase this. My memory of it is that I was impressed, but not that much impressed. Like it was fine, but it wasn't like killer. And uh, I think that there was probably some hangups that I had with some of the science and technology and things. I mean, they, they still were there. There was a little bit of the acting that was a little wooden at the beginning, which I thought was kind of funny now looking back. And that's still there. Um, a few things were just a little too convenient. And I think that's still there, too. And um, that 9.1 that people give it, that has to be a rating after people have watched the entire series. Because there is a lot in this episode that then gets expanded upon later and becomes the foundation for so much, including an entire series. Like, it, there's, it's all, it, there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. But it itself as a story is fine. And it itself as a story ends with a whole lot of open threads. Like not much is resolved here. And it itself as a story kind of kind of resets it back to zero. The 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 power generator is drained. We know that the gate can do an eighth chevron now. We know that uh the the uh the, the asgard are in the galaxy ida um right like there's things that we know we know that the ancients existed we know that they were the ones who built the gate uh hilariously at least to me uh, i think we end up dropping the whole like creators of latin thing like this was still back when stargate was really hanging its hat on the notion that all of our great ancient civilizations were alien created. (laughs) And so this is yet another one. Um, And I, and I was noticing how we have definitely moved away from that as a show. Like we have not had it quite be so on the nose that, uh, that, that ancient earth civilizations are a direct result of alien involvement. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I don't think that we ever really go back to the notion of, you know, Rome being the great road builders as a result of the ancients telling them how to build roads or something. Right. Even though maybe mythologically, you know, uh, Daniel drops that little nugget in there. And I don't know. I didn't look it up whether or not that's accurate or not. If there really is a myth about how the Romans learned how to build roads from the ancient ones. But, you know, possibly. I can't recall. Right. I mean, but the, we, we, the, the Romans stole most of their stuff from everybody else. Everybody else. There, there yeah. was the the other ancient uh, Italian peninsula people. That I'm blanking on their names now. That's older than the the Romans. Yeah, and, and I remember. 
and 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 the Romans basically like plumbing was theirs, and the Romans says it's going to be ours now. Yeah, and and other things like that. So, oh yeah, no, Rome's great contribution to civilization was appropriation. Oh yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked, <laughs> and they rewrote things as best they oh, could. Oh, that worked too. <laughs> and they became the inspiration for generations of people to rewrite things. And that worked as well, right? Yeah. But it's not, they didn't, they didn't invent the road. Anyway. Um, yeah, but history is written by the winners. Anyway, so. Yeah. Um, right. Is this episode worth a 9.1 on the IMDb scale? I don't, I don't think so, man. I think that that's, I think that's nostalgia talking. I really do. Now, let's have some fun for a second. Okay. Is this a delightful episode full of things that absolutely matter a lot later on? Oh, heck yes. Absolutely. And is it fun watching the team uh, walk into some of this stuff for the first time? Yeah, it is. It's fun watching the origins of this stuff. I remember when we watched The Torment of Tantalus, I was mistaking a lot of the information that we actually saw here in this episode with with uh, information that we got at Torment of Tantalus. We did not. Here, I don't think at the time that this was like meaning of life stuff. I can't remember. Did we at the in Torment of Tantalus? Uh, we, what? Huh? Meaning of life stuff. That's when we start learning the meaning of life stuff. But I we mean, definitely did not have the word ancients. We definitely didn't have the word furlings. That's true. Uh, in that's in Tantalus. Uh, so we knew we knew that there were four races. Yeah. Um. And because of the uh, Norse runes that were there, we were fairly certain that one of those groups were the Asgard. We, yep. you know, we'd made that connection um, at that point in time. Um, but we didn't know the name. I think this is where we get the names of the, the Nox and the Furlings and the Ancients as those three other races. I don't think so. I, th- th- I think this is the first time we hear it. This episode. This episode. Yeah, the fifth race. That's right. Yeah, that's that's my point. Is that there's so much foundational information in this episode that I ended up misplacing it when we did second chances for Torment of Tantalus. Sure. Right? Yep. Yep. That's the point. Is that it really was foundational, like hugely foundational. Um, and it is fun to watch that exploration happen. But on the other other hand, when I think about it as story writing. One of the things that I absolutely cannot stand, I hate it, is when people appear to get enamored with really clever retconning um, in situations where it's not obvious that the retconning is like the thing. Let me give you an example. Uh, ages ago, uh, the movie Shakespeare in Love okay. was like really well regarded. Lots of people loved that movie and it ended up winning Best Picture of the Year. And I thought that was the stupidest, stupidest award that could have been given to that movie. Side note, turns out it was a bunch of Harvey Weinstein, like, like backdoor, like arm twisting manipulation, how they ended up getting that Oscar nod and winning. Like it was actually like politics that got them there. But, (laughs) um, you know, to the to the point to, to that to that end, to that point, I thought that that story was just insipid. I thought that that story was just like the stupidest thing that you possibly could have written because the only thing that the writers did was take a bunch of story aspects from Shakespeare plays, mm-hmm. mush them together, and then slap over a veneer that said that imagined what would happen if real life events kind of 
sort of happened to the guy, William Shakespeare, and inspired him to write this stuff. And everybody was losing their mind over it. They were like, they were like, oh, my gosh, that's just like the scene from Blah. Oh, isn't that clever? It's like, it's not clever at all. It was already written <laughs> 500 years ago. Like, <laughs> this is in no way clever. And so in the same way, this episode is not clever. This episode is not like the beginnings of a grand machination to create Stargate Atlantis several years later. No, this is just laying groundwork. Um for interesting ideas that might come up. We've had, I don't know how many episodes have we had that have ended with like loose threads out there that have never been followed up with ever. Right. If this episode was one of those episodes that was never followed up with, we wouldn't be talking about it nearly as highly as we are now. If it was something else, if uh, I'm trying to think of a storyline that was kind of left out in the open there, I don't, I can't think of many because they're forgettable. That's the point. Mm. Um, let's do this one. Let's do my, one of my favorite ones. Um, uh, if there was uh, somebody who decided to take the uh, giant mosquito bug thing that turned Teal'c into a cocoon, the, one of the best episodes ever, and uh, decided to like run with that and cr- create some kind of a foundational aspect of the universe, of the Stargate universe, with these mosquito cocoon things, one, we'd have a very different show. And two, if that show was successful, we'd look back at Bane and go, this is the height of television. I mean, look at it. It's so good. It's got the team dealing with the first instances of them coming across the mystery bug that turns everybody into cocoons. It's got strange and unusual behaviors from street toughs. It's got uh, just killer dialogue that just gets referenced over and over and over again. Do you remember an episode 95 of uh, season 100 when uh, when. When uh, we're talking about how, like, you know, a detective knows Jack uh, O'Neill, that's here. That's the reference. Right? You know, we would be speaking very highly of it in the same way, but it's backwards looking. I think the same thing's happening here. So I don't think it's that good of an episode. I think it's fine. Uh, do I think that it is a 9.1? No way. It is not a 9.1. It's a 9.1 because of people's good feelings about the entire franchise <laughs> they're giving they're giving stargate the concept a 9.1 when they give this episode a 9.1 is this a bad episode <laughs> no this isn't bad at all this is fine this is this is well written it was more or less well acted i thought richard dean anderson did a tremendous job acting yes he did uh i thought that the story moved in a convincing manner i thought that it went from a to b to c to d in ways that made sense, but was also interesting. Uh, the mystery of what was happening uh, was so not present for me in this watching, because obviously that there was absolutely no draw in the in the how they figured it out part, just because I like I, I knew the ending type of a thing. Hmm. So in that regard, it just moved, moved along, but it was enjoyable. I enjoyed watching it. Um. I had a good chuckle at some of the parts that I thought were a little weird, but overall, I thought it was fine. Um, so, yeah, generally positive. That's how I feel about this. Now, this is my second time watching it. Zach, this is season two. You've probably watched this one 15 times. Easily. Yeah. What, what did you think about this on your 16th plus watching? Sure. Um, so. I a I enjoyed this watching. Um, sure. This is an episode that I would happily rewatch again and again. Um, I think it's really uh, a good story. You are right 
that some of the things that bolster this episode is that this is the episode that um, really kind of uh, starts things going with uh, the ancients and develops the the four races and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you are complaining about this episode uh, because you're thinking that a lot of people's good feelings about this episode are um, rooted in, in what comes after this episode, not in this yes. episode itself. Uh, there is... I'll, I'll give you some bit of fairness there. However, um, I think that there is a very big difference between this and your example of Bane. <laughs> no. Yes. There, there, there's not a big difference. Yes, there is. So, so like, <laughs> Bane... Was just a one-off episode with some bugs. There wasn't any intention with that to develop beyond that. Now, if they had, we'd have a different conversation. But there wasn't any intention therein. I think when and and after watching this episode again and again and again and seeing how the episode the the series moves after this, that this was not only. I mean. This is an episode that was built with the intention, with a specific intention yeah, to okay. to yeah. create new stuff beyond it. It was yeah. designed to be a cornerstone piece. Um, whereas, and and you know, there there were plenty of other things that have happened in Stargate that were just kind of one offs, and then we kind of came back around and we saw them again, and we thought, yeah. oh, that's cool. You know, the um, the the mirror. Uh, the quantum yep. mirror has been used several times. Um, uh, the the rep not the replicators because that's a thing. The what were the what were Harlan's uh, androids? I can't um, remember what they were called. Those guys, the, those androids. You know, they came back for an episode. Yep. Um, you know, we saw even the the virtual reality chairs from the gamekeeper in in season one. Yep, come yep. back again. Um, you know the 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 other guys come back at least you yeah, know Soldier right. comes back for another next second episode and such. There's a lot of stuff that just kind of one off things that get to come back, and some of it actually becomes really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an episode that is different. This is an episode that uh, they they wrote with the specific intention to develop what they had with Torment of Tantalus and before, and to create a cornerstone piece upon which to build more this was Mm -hmm. intended to be that uh did they have a full picture of what that was going to look like no it's a television show in the 90s right Right. but that doesn't mean that they 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 didn't have any idea that this would come back they made this episode with the intention that the ancients that that uh you know this uh, gate builders, th- these are foundational pieces that would be built upon in the future, and it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think that is uh, something that, well, I think that you dismissed that too easily. I definitely dismissed it quickly. That I will, I will grant that. Um, and and especially upon rewatching, um, that does play a role. I think you're right. That does play a role in in people's feelings about this episode uh Mm -hmm. because it does it so well i mean you know this episode does a great job of placing that cornerstone piece and does it with an interesting storyline that uh that uh uh, richard dean anderson's performance really um really sells it he makes it go 
Um, yes. Because his his process of of just, just the the look on his face of frustration that I have things to say and I can't say it. Um, you know, and and then just the 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 slow uh, movement to almost a madness that yes. that that takes away his his capacity to to interact with people. Um, I mean, RDA's ability to to convey that is one of the the things that makes this episode run. Yeah, and if he didn't have that, um, uh, it 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 wouldn't run as as well. I, I will also grant that as I'm thinking about it, nothing in this episode contradicts what will later be revealed to be important. Like for example. The entire time that w- that everything was going on, I was sitting here going, yeah, that's because Jack has the ADA gene, right? Like something that a, a concept that wasn't even introduced until what, five years later, six Easily. years later, yep. something like yep. that, yep. right? Um, and I'm looking at it going, right, like it reacts differently to Jack, like the circle reacts to Jack, the face grabber thing reacts to Jack, uh, his ability to hold all that information in his brain is different because he has a genetic marker that none that nobody else has. Yeah. And there can be examples of future episodes that uh, of past episodes or early episodes in a series, which set something up that then kind of gets tromped, uh, stomped on later on. But this one, it didn't happen. I, I, I can't think of anything later that becomes important that supersedes what we were shown here. So I have one potential example of that um, that, that I'll talk thing? about in a minute. Um, but, uh, but I think overall, I think you're right in terms of the storyline and, and the foundational pieces of it, this, and, and that's also what makes this a great episode to come back to, um, because, uh, it, it fits so nicely with everything that has come after it in a way that was so organic that couldn't have been foreseen at this point in time. And yet it still does it. Um, and so here you have an episode that was intended to be a cornerstone. It develops into a cornerstone and not just a cornerstone, but a very, very successful and important one. Um, and, and it is consistent with itself from mm-hmm. nearly everything. Yeah. Um, on a personal note, as I rewatched this episode, I'm like, oh, look, it's Frasier. Yeah, nice? I know it's. I did the same thing as and, soon as she and, appeared and then, on screen. You know, like, like, like I, I really enjoy the later seasons of SG one. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so much depth of, of history and, and uh, story and character and, and setting in the future episodes. And yet when I watched this episode last night, it was like, Oh, this is what it was. I mean, it was just yeah. like, there, there was something pure and and almost innocent about those second season episodes, especially and, and some of the first season episodes where, you know, I mean, it was just it, it was the show. It was what it was. It was well written. It was well acted. It was done well. Uh, but it was just just kind of like this, the soft purity uh, of it. And, sure. and yeah. you know, the the later seasons. Um, obviously lose that because they have so much more built on. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's not a negative about the new stuff. It's just 
oh yeah, this is just you know, there, there, there's a, a purity quality uh, to this. I, I find yep. when I watch this, it was charming that we still had Captain Carter. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, it was charming that uh, Michael Shanks was still trying to channel um, James Spader. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in, in some ways, uh, the Daniel Jackson character of those early seasons is um, a, a more natural exp- expression of the character. Um, one of the things I noticed with, with Carter is that... Uh, uh, you see in uh, Amanda Tapping's portrayal uh, a a uh, what's the word? She she's just a little timid. That's not the right word. Um, but reservation or hesitancy? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, just in you know, I mean, she knows she's a captain and she's good, but but you know, when she's like, uh, "You go do this," and she's like, "Me?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, I am just a captain. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> uh, with voice cracking and everything. Yeah. I'm just a captain, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, and of course, uh, rightly so. And, uh, that, that, that character grows and develops, uh, into being a much more self-confident, uh, leader. Uh, I think maybe that's one of the things like, like in these early seasons, she's, She's smart and she's strong, but she's not uh, the the leader that she becomes later. You know, I mean, well, right, o- O'Neill right. is yes. a leader from the very beginning. Yes. Uh, she has to grow into that. Uh, yep. And just seeing that early part of it was just kind of charming. It was. Um, I agree. Because, you know, that's where it was and look at where we've come. So. Um. So I just I I enjoyed this watch uh and I I still think that uh I I I would agree with you that the 9.1 IMDb rating uh has a lot of uh retro look to it um but I don't think that it is inappropriate to do in this sure. particular episode. Okay. So um I have a couple of things to to toss out there. Yes. One uh, so O'Neill makes this little one-time use, basically a ZPM. Obviously, at this point in time, we have no concept of ZPMs. Correct. Yep. But he makes a one-time use ZPM uh, that in this episode runs out of power and well, it's, it's dead. We can't fix it. Now, right. in a future episode, and this is something that's bugged me for a long time. Um, the we have it's actually one with a quantum mirror. Right, yeah. we have Kowalski and Doctor Carter coming to our universe, and they're like, "The Gua would have come," and like, "What's the difference?" Well, we have the Asgard. The Asgard have been, been uh, an ally for us, and so what do they do? In like, you know, in a, a scene shift, a, a cut, they they figure out the two Carters figure out how to turn this thing back on. Sure. And they take it to the other universe, and they use that then to contact the Asgard, and the Asgard come and saves the day. Yeah. Hooray! Now, all of that is... Uh, I find that kind of storytelling in that episode a little bit lazy. Um, but here's the thing. Um, Dr. Carter and 
Major Captain Carter, whatever she was at that point in yeah, time, right? Um, are both smart enough individuals to have gone through some cell element of figuring out how this thing works? Yes. So, and this is this is where you know there if there's you know this is something that, that does kind of get 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 forgotten about, right? But if you have the basics of how this thing works, yep, then you have the ability to create at least a one-time use ZPM. Yep. Which would come in very handy for a whole ton of things. Yes. Yes, it would. And so this is where I have one little plot hole, and it's not really from this episode. Um, you know, because with this episode... We says, well, he made this thing as a one-time use. We can't figure out how it works anymore. Well, okay. Right. But we still have canon example of but we have a it. member of the team who, with her own brains, figured out a version of that. Yep. 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 And, and so that's one of the things, and that's not a fault of this episode. Um, it, it's really a fault of that future episode with the alternate Carter and, and Kowalski. And I can't oh, yeah. remember the name of that episode. No, I can't remember. Uh, that, it doesn't yes. matter. Um, uh, but so, you know, and it's just rooted in this episode. And that's something that um, that uh, just has, as, as, in terms of plot hole and, and story things that just bugs, that rankles well, me. Well, it's a little like, uh, it's a little like her consciousness being able to travel through a keyboard as an example. Well, yes. You know, but 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 here's the thing is that is that if that just happens once and you go, huh? And they're like, okay, fine. Then then you move on. It's sci-fi. Yes. Um, but you know, given how important ZPMs are, um, and you know, and you know, and I'm not suggesting that their homemade power device, you know, that that's a one-time use, would actually have enough power to like operate the chair in Antarctica. Right. Uh, but, you know, and, and, you know, it's probably something that, that costs a sufficiently amount of large amount of money that you don't want to, um, you know, make a zillion of them. But in emergency situation, a having an ability to call Pegasus. Yes. <laughs> would be really important. Yes. So, but it does. So, like later on, was it did 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 the Asgard like leave behind communication technology? Because we are calling them up fairly regularly. Oh, Pegasus, not or, Pegasus. Or, no, what, us contacting. Ida. I mean, I'm uh, so like you know, like like contacting a galaxy far away. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, right. So and we, I'm talking about we, the Asgard specifically. So, uh, at some point in time, I can't recall specifically when. Um, there is, um, you know, th there, there is some technology swap, well, right, gift, we uh, get a walkie talkie, basically, that, that gives, that gives the SGC the capacity of contacting right. yes. the Asgard, right? Um, my sense is, and how that's been used, is that that's like a, a, a single-use thing, or like a single-direction thing. We can contact the Asgard. Uh, we can't use this to contact anybody who's far away. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. right. Um, so that's how that's been used. That's how that's been addressed. And that's how, and that would make sense. 
it's a very specific red telephone yes yeah um you know it's like it's like uh um the red telephone in uh batman the the tv series from the 60s it just has it goes one to the button. mayor's office yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> it only goes to the mayor's office <laughs> yes <laughs> so um so that was something that i wanted to to point out about that that uh, homemade zpm type device that he makes um and and that that frustrates me about future episode a future episode yeah, uh, and not really about this episode. There, yeah, there, there are a number. Right, there are a number of future problems dealing with power. That you know, I kind of forgot that Jack built a battery, or you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it was, out of you know, out of a out of a power cell from a staff weapon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like, like. In, at no other point did we get any indication that the staff weapon holds enough power to be able to do what it did. Um, and it and it certainly by itself you know. doesn't, but that was one piece of a process. Um, yeah, but physics kind of says that if you have X amount of power, you can't get X plus power without adding more power. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the whole ZPM I, works by yeah. by storing a bunch of power in in some sort of singularity in an extra plane of existence. Um, <laughs> Look, the maths get really complicated. Just, just don't look too hard. Like right? you know, just, just, just put your goggles on. It's, it's, and look it's away. base eight math. <laughs> it's base obviously uh, ten equals eight, dude. Ten, ten equals, equals eight. eight. Yeah. Um. So, so uh, unrelated to this, I was watching some videos on on uh, Facebook, and one was uh, uh, some of these watching some uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson videos, and he was talking to uh a guy, and I don't know who it was. I probably should, but I don't. Um, uh, about um, specifically about binary, but it was talking about different base. You know, we use a base ten math, right? So we have you know zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and we don't have anything else to do, so we have to add another placeholder one, yeah. uh, and then we add the zero. the 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 numeral ten doesn't actually exist, right? Yeah. Um, uh. And, and so then, you know, it's one, it's one, it's, it's base 10, one to the power, you know, to a level up basically. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and just kind of marking that out there, uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but, but this base eight base, I think his example was like a base five. Wow. That would be, that, that, that would make my head hurt. Oh yeah. Kind of no, I mean like, you know, base 12, um, you know, you could you could use the digits on your finger on your hand. I don't, you, many people probably already know this, but sure. like the concept of base twelve is that you know early early systems might be prone to base twelve because you can use the tip of your thumb and the individual like joints on your fingers to do your counting. You know, your your first finger has one, two, three. Then your next finger has four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then you're back to the start. Yeah. And so you know, if you can keep keep track of how many clusters of twelve you've had. By you know one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven ten there's another cluster da 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 there's your there's your base for base twelve yeah. right there and yeah. it's very natural and it's very easy to do yeah and and you know the the reality is that if we operated with a base twelve system it would be as normal to us as the base ten system is that we typically use absolutely we'd be just like you know like uh, multiples of tw- or like uh, ex- exponents of twelve would just be like yeah it's, it's like breathing air. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, to to try to go, 
you know, 10, 20, 30, to, to think of that as being 12, 24, uh, 36. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be 12, 24, 36. It would be 10, 20, 30. Right. But if you converted that to base 10, then it would be those other numbers. Right, right, right. Uh, so yep. anyway, uh, so I do have some thoughts from other listeners. Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, I didn't write down who wrote these. Uh, some were thinking that this is kind of like Torment of Tantalus Part 2. Right. Right. Another, another person uh, mentioned that this is uh, kind of like telling the Asgard that uh, we humans are up in our game in the galaxy. And you got to pay attention to us. Yes. Um, yep, that makes sense. And uh, so this one here was kind of a, a question, a philosophical question. Oh, I like that. Uh, and this is, uh, this is from David. I remember this is, came from David. He wrote this this morning. Yeah. So we know now that there are several non-human races in the galaxy, right? We have the, yeah. the what fate, Almond Roca. It, it's not yeah. Almond, it's Oma, Oma Roca. Anyway, the fish people, right? We have the space yep. race people. The yep. Ritu, the Teklan, if you want to talk about the, uh, the uh, non-canonical cartoons, so... Yeah, so, right, right. Even the Tok'ra are a non-human race. So yeah. David's question is, what disqualifies them from being the fifth race? Right. And what is it about humans that give us the possibility of becoming a fifth race? So there has been one consistent thing. So when it comes to... Obviously, you can tell that I have an answer like right now. Yeah. Um, when it comes to this kind of meta question of why, why humans, why are humans special? Especially when it comes to the context of a galaxy or a universe. Why should humanity be special? Uh, there's, there's like two edges of that sword. There's the one that nobody wants to hear about, but it's very true. And that is that's because we're humans and we're telling stories. So we get to be the heroes. But the other edge of that sword is that one thing that seems to be consistently brought up in settings in sci-fi settings or fantasy settings is that humanity has a knack for adaptability. They aren't the strongest. They aren't the wisest. They aren't the smartest. They aren't the fastest. They aren't the longest lived. They, you know, like they, none of those things are true. Right. <clears throat> but they do have a knack for uh, putting themselves into a situation <clears throat> that would stymie some other group of people and working through it. And I think that is the meta idea that we could run with. That is um, the that is a bit of a of a of a, a like a mathematical postulate where it's not a proof. It's not you can't actually sit here and go work the thing out and say and, you know, QED humanity is versatile. But. You can look at other examples and say, well, if what the knack of humanity is versatility, then we can infer that every one of those other races is less versatile. And perhaps the mark of the four races that got together millennia ago to create their little like, you know, information exchange compound mm -hmm. was that they recognized the versatility of each other. And that tended to be a trait that allowed for success at a galactic or intergalactic scale that other groups just couldn't really achieve for whatever reason, which is absolutely, you know, if you take that a step further, that's a terribly problematic argument. Like <laughs> we are special because we are special and you are special because you're not special. Like, <laughs> like it, it has its problems. Yes. I'll acknowledge that. Yeah. But you know, that allows me then to point to the other side of the sword going, 
the reason that we put the humans in this category is because we're people and we're telling the story. So that's why. So, so I've got a couple of things to think about, you know, as you were mentioning, if versatility, like, like groups gather because there is something that they're gathering around. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if what the four races, uh, were gathering around was a sense of versatility. Um, then if they look at the humans and they see the p- potential of being right. just as versatile, then you would say, oh, hey, you actually match what we've been doing and conjoin. Yes. Um, I wonder if another piece of this, and this is certainly uh, a, a retroactive understanding of this. This is not something that would have been... Um, would have been conscious in the the process of the writers or at this point in time within um uh, in the second season yeah um but it would be consistent with internal universe right we now know that the ancients was uh, were the first uh, iteration of the human shape yes and that humans are the second iteration of that. Yes. Um, this is obviously something that the Asgard would know. Yes. So it's possible that part of what's going on here in this situation is that the Asgard are looking at the humans as being the second iteration of the ancient form. The heirs of the ancients. The, and they become the heirs of the ancient. Now, yeah. it's not like you're now, you are now the fourth race. No, because you're different. But yes. you could potentially be interact with us in that realm. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, certainly I think that when this episode aired and you're talking about the four races and potentially humans being the fifth race. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that was human storytelling. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who's the yeah. hero? The humans are the hero. Yes. You know, in this case, um, you know, we can parse that out and we can find a bunch of humans who are not the heroes. Um, but in this broad stroke thing, the humans are the heroes. Yep. So. Um, yeah, the, the, that's how I would answer that question. Yep. Um, now, Brent. Yes. Uh, I have some comments from Julie. Yeah. Uh, about what we talked about in our first viewing. Julie is so kind. Yes, she's very kind. To that. Before like, no we get to that, yeah. though, I want your rating yeah. for this time around. Yeah. So, what, what do you think, right? I think, <clears throat> I think that 10 equals 8. I think that uh, in the same way that the community gives this almost a 10, I'm not one for part scores. This is an eight. Now I bagged it and I stand by bagging it. <laughs> However, um, like it, what it does, how it functions within the story as a whole, it, it unlocks everything, right? It's, it, it just, it just sets the stage and thanks for bringing up that they were intending to have this be a stage setter. Rather than just a weird idea that they just suddenly grew from, I'm still willing to 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 bet a bag of chips that 
like you could they intended for this to be a cornerstone and therefore it was um if they had intended for bane to be a cornerstone they could have made it would it have been successful i don't know boy wouldn't that be interesting if we had a wildly successful television series that was based off of bane as a cornerstone i think that would be awesome but um (laughs) but that's the point right it's story it's storytelling and so if the storytellers are able to create compelling story off of the cornerstone then we sit here and we love it and they did so yes it was intended to be a launching point into something more no it wasn't fully developed there was no story bible that got developed at this point with this huge arc So, you know, in that regard, I think my criticisms are still there, but it doesn't negate the fact that this is a cornerstone and that they successfully built huge amounts of story off of it. It's an eight. It's this 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 unlocks new galaxies. It unlocks new ideas. It unlocks new possibilities. It becomes the foundation for so much lore that I ended up quoting it mistakenly when we did a different episode. Like, that's how important this episode is. So, yeah, it's it's an eight out of seven. It's 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 magical. It's absolutely great. Uh, and I still think that we're overhyping it. I'm overhyping it right now. Eight, eight, eight out of seven for me. What about you? Okay, so I'm going to uh, also give it an eight and yeah. just point out your your uh, own internal contradiction. And I just just love it and I enjoy it. And, and <laughs> <laughs> like like an eight is overhyping it. I'm overhyping it. Yes, <laughs> you shouldn't overhype it. it. Yes, it's it's like it, it, let, let's put it this way. If a person who had never seen any Stargate ever watched this one episode and then did not watch any other Stargate, one, they'd both have a, a kind of a complete idea about what the thing is, sorta, right? Kinda. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, <clears throat> they probably wouldn't think that this episode is like just like brilliant. They'd be like, "Oh, that was cool. Yeah, that's neat." Right. Like, we think it's amazing. But it itself is like, yeah, it's fine. It's so, fine. you know, I mean, I think that this is an episode that is very strong on its own and how it is developed and used makes it significantly stronger. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's good. Know, way, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. So uh, we both give it eights. All right. So yep. when we reviewed this on June 2nd, 2019. Yeah. Um. You said, um, happy to be able to give eight Chevron, give the eighth Chevron or get it. That's what you said. Yes. Uh, cool story. Darn good visuals. Great acting. Plus big picture story stuff. Yep. Uh, you gave it a holy cow. This is, this thing is about to take off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cracks the show wide open yeah right yeah uh to its benefit you say and you really like rda's performance as jack o'neill yeah uh so you gave it a six out of seven chevrons yes with an asterisk and the asterisk was that you are saving the seven for a story that lets loose and runs with it yeah um uh i i would argue that this episode does that but yeah. in 2019, when you hadn't seen anything else, you probably couldn't have realized that. Yes. Yes. Um, me. I said uh, I absolutely love everything about this episode. Uh, the writers have now found the voices of our characters. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, this time around watching it and not building up to this episode, I didn't notice that as much because 
I just heard the voices of her characters. Yeah, that's right. But I can but I can see how this could be one of those threshold moments. Right. Uh, and that this is a measured but a not a slow pace. Right. Um, and then I gave it eight chevrons. I think this is of the course. first episode that I gave eight chevrons. Yeah. To, uh, and I have an asterisk that the scale has not been broken. Or the the scale has been broken, and we're in a new galaxy. <laughs> we're in a new galaxy now, man. Yep. So, uh, those are our previous con uh, thoughts and uh, conversation points. Yep. From before. That's the reason. Um, I, I think that we are consistent there here, but we had other things to talk about, which is wonderful. That's that's the that's the mark of a good show, right yep. there. And and I would like to point out, Brent, that typically we have tried to keep our second chances episodes to around 30 or 35 minutes <laughs> yeah well <laughs> we have blown that out of the water right now because uh, this is a this is a this is a momentous episode this is this is and and there there still continues to be things to talk about with this episode yes and yep. i think that is why this episode deserves an eight yep. uh because I agree. you can watch it and watch it again and watch it again and you still have things you can chew on with it yep so uh, anything else you have to say for the good of the community? Uh, another than that, they are right that this is definitely this episode is definitely worth all the hype. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, if you have any other comments, you can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. Uh, you can, of course, go to the Facebooks walking through the stargate. We've got the Facebook page and the Facebook group. You can go to the discords and talk to yep. us there with all of that stuff. Uh, if you need to find the discord, you can go to our website, WTTS.space. Space and there you can uh, listen to all of our back episodes if you want and uh, join the communities and such there. If you want to yep. support the podcast in this iteration, you can go to the website wtts.space and space uh, join our uh, buy me a coffee thing and 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 get all the information there for that. Yep. Um, and with all of that, I say I'm Zach and I'm Brent. This has been Stargate Second Chances. See you next time. Bye.